What's up, everybody? This is Kyle Jetzel. Welcome to Dadgummit Autism Podcast. So today I'm going to talk about how we're training our wives and kids to be a certain way. And that way may not be fruitful down the road unless we're real conscious about it. So let's get started. So here's the question. How can we, as autism dads, be as successful at home with our families as we are in the rest of the world? How can we support our wives and families in a way that makes them feel happy and fulfilled so that we can feel happy and fulfilled too? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answers. My name is Kyle Jetzel, and welcome to Dadgummit Autism Podcast. So I'll never forget the day that uh, I was talking to my little three-year-old girl, and just so you'll know, I've got six kids, my five oldest are boys, and my youngest is a girl, and so she'd been raised with a bunch of boys, right? And uh, I'll never forget when I was talking to her, and she screamed at me. She's about three years old or so, and I said, you know what? Don't you scream at me, little girl, and she turned to me, and she said, well, don't you scream at me, big daddy, <laughs> And I'll never forget that because it kind of stopped me cold in my tra- in my tracks. And I was thinking, you know, do I scream at her? She's my only little girl. I can't imagine I would be screaming at my little girl. And and so I kind of I kind of just stepped back and started thinking about how I was treating really not just her but the other kids in our family. And I realized that uh, I guess I was kind of a screamer, right? And I realized she had learned it from me. And she had she had basically modeled my behavior, and so I was thinking, you know, at that time, what else are my kids modeling from me? From me, you know, what other kind of situations are they learning from the way I act? And so it wasn't long after that, uh, my oldest son, uh, my two oldest sons were at the age where they're going to church every Wednesday night, and uh, and my oldest son says, Dad, do we really have to go tonight? I mean, they're not going to do anything fun. It's just going to be a waste of our time, and I just I don't really see how. We're getting any value out of it. And I said, yeah, you got to go. There's a couple things we do, right? And one is go to church on Sunday, and one is go to church on Wednesday when we're supposed to. And so he wasn't very happy about it, but it kind of surprised me that he was defiant because he's not really a defiant type of kid. So I thought, where did he get that from? Where did the defiance come from? And then I started backtracking kind of some of my own, um, some of the ways I had dealt with things in, in my life going to church, right? And one of them was, uh, there were some times where, when I had some leadership positions in our church and um, and I didn't want to go. I felt like it was a waste of time or it was a dumb meeting and I would tell my wife, and I'm guessing it was an earshot of my boys, you know what, do we re- do I really need to go to this meeting? I mean, you know, I don't I don't think I need to be there. I'm not going to add any value. And and my, mom, my wife would always say, you know what, you need to go. And I would, right? And so... I started to really think about how the things that we do uh, and how we react to things, uh, how we model certain behaviors for our kids. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of modeling people. It's it's how I started my first business. It's how I had run a lot of, of parts of my life. And But I didn't really realize the true impact that my own father and the way he modeled uh the way to live for me until at one point, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, uh, he said, well, Kyle, you know, who impacted you as a kid? And I remember thinking about that long and hard because there wasn't a whole lot of people. I was a little bit of a defiant kid. I was kind of a, I had a chip on my shoulder. I didn't really want to hear it from adults. And so, you know, there was a big part of me that just wouldn't really listen to any adults. And, 
you know, I, I said, you know, I'm not really sure. He said, do you have any teachers in school? I said, no, not really. Do you have any coaches? I said, well, yeah, but I mean, they coached me. I, you know, I didn't really look up to them as people necessarily. You know, I had coaches I liked, coaches I didn't like. I wouldn't say either of them had a bigger impact on my life uh, long term. And he said, well, somebody's impacted you. I mean, you're a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. You're pretty friendly. You know, who did you model? And it struck me that for years and years, I had basically, without even knowing it, developed a lot of the same personality traits as my father. I can remember as a kid, uh, my father had some, uh, was in some positions of uh, importance in our church. And I can remember him coming home after counseling people for hours and hours. And I could tell he was tired. And he, sometimes he'd come home and I could tell there was a lot of stress involved in it too. He'd come home and he'd have a headache. And he would say, you know, Kyle, can you rub my head for me? I've got a, I got a bad headache. If you'll rub my head, I'll give you a quarter. <laughs> and at that time, a quarter wasn't that bad of a deal, right? And I can remember rubbing his head and goofing around with him. And he was always, even though I knew he was in pain, and there was a lot of stress in his life. My dad always had a way of just kind of spewing happiness all over everybody he came across. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a little story about my dad. Uh, my dad passed away a few years ago. And uh, at his funeral, my oldest brother, Curtis, uh, was asked to give the eulogy. And as he was preparing the eulogy, you know, it was it was one of my requests of my dad. Can I do the eulogy? <laughs> and I didn't know it, but he was, he was giving that honor to Curtis, my oldest brother. But I had basically written for my dad prior to him dying a eulogy about how important he was in our lives and some of the greatness things he had done. And I remember sitting at the airport uh, as we were flying back to Dallas from Boise, Idaho to go to his funeral. And, and I called my brother Curtis and I said, how you doing? Because he lived back in the Dallas area and, and he was putting together the eulogy and he said, I'm doing okay, but I'm struggling with the eulogy. I said, well, you know what? I got some notes. Can I just send you my notes? Would that be helpful? And he said, yeah. Well, as part of that, uh, part of those notes was uh, to ask those people that came to his funeral um, to share with us, his family that was that was there, how he had impacted their lives. And uh, after the, you know, the basically the ceremony was over, I was I was just approached by no less than I mean, it was hundreds of people there. And many, many came up and talked about what a a tremendous impact he'd had on their lives. As a matter of fact, while he was still alive, uh, we have a unique last name. The last name is Jetzel, J-E-T-S-E-L. And it's not a widely uh, used name, uh, last name. I would have people come up to me and they would, and I would tell them my name's Kyle Jetzel and they would say, do you, do you know Jerry? I would say, he's my dad. And then they would just gush all over me about how great of a man my dad was. So you know, the, the point is, my dad was a wonderful man, and he spewed happiness all over everywhere he went. And even though he had a difficult life, he never made a lot of money, you know, there were some real trials in his life, he continually uh, left a wake of happiness behind him. And until my friend asked me, you know, who did you model, I hadn't realized that for years and years on end, I had been modeling my own father, uh, Jerry Jetzel, without me even knowing it, his impact, his influence uh, whether I liked it or not, had really changed me. And so, you know, I want to talk uh, a little bit about modeling and how we can model for our kids the kind of things that we want for them, the kind of behavior we want from them. We can even model for our spouses. I know um, 
I was a little bit aggressive and uh, overbearing when I first got married to my wife. And she really has, through her behavior and the way she's modeled kindness and love and caring, has brought me closer to center. Just because I've watched her and I've seen the way she's handled things. So I want to give you two kinds of examples here. And, and I want to start by just telling you kids can sniff out a hypocrite a mile away. You know, at the beginning of this, I talked about um, how we're training our kids, even our wives. We're training those people around us. Um, and the, the training we're giving them is the way we model the kind of behavior we, uh, the kind of things we do and the kind of behavior we have and the kind of behavior we'll accept. And, and I want to challenge you, if you've ever said, you know, don't to your kids or, or anybody, you know, don't, don't do what I do, do what I say, and don't ask me any questions, I think it's short-sighted. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So uh, a few years back, I was working for a company, and I happened to be working with a younger kid who had, uh, who had struggled. And growing up, he had, he, had, uh, he had been given a little bit too much freedom at a young age, about 14 or so, he'd been given way too much freedom. And he'd made some horrible decisions, and they had run him down a path that really got him in a lot of trouble. And and when I started working with him, he was kind of working his way back into, I would call it uh, normalcy, right? And so I had a chance to talk to him a little bit about what made him, or you know, what led him to make those really difficult decisions that kind of ran him down a path that was real tricky. And over and over, he consistently told me, you know, his his uh, mom and and or his dad would say certain things, but they would act differently. And as he gave me example after example, I could tell that he had identified very quickly that his parents had, had become kind of hypocritical. You know, they, they would tell him what they expected of him, but they would do something different. And, you know, the more stories and the more talking to I did, I'm, I'm a curious fellow. And so when I learn somebody has difficulties, I want to know how they got there and what happened and, you know, what led to it and kind of what, how they were raised and all these different things. And over and over, he used the term hypocritical. Uh, to describe the way he had been raised. And he told me story after story of, of situations where his parents would say one thing and do another. And over a period of time, he just said, you know what, they're full of crap. And and really he lost, they lost the ability to influence him and the guidance that he needed from his parents. Um, and so, you know, to see him struggle and really go through those things was very difficult to, for me. But it also made me very aware of how we act and the things that we do say more than the things that we say to our kids and to our spouse. And that goes both ways, right? Um, and so just to contrast that, I want to kind of tell you a little bit about um, a trip we took as a family uh, this past summer. So uh, I have a big family. Like I said, I have six kids. So there's eight of us total. And my wife and I decided to rent a big giant 15 passenger van and drive our kids to San Francisco. And and part of that plan was to make sure they put up their devices as we drove. And so they couldn't look at the internet and they could watch movies now and then. But I mean, we're talking about a 12 hour drive each way. And we were curious and wanted to really see how they would interact with each other and how they would, um, you know, the kinds of things they would talk about. And it was really fascinating, the organic conversations that grew out of a family with Five boys, my oldest son being about 25 at the time, and my daughter uh, was 11, and she has a twin brother who's 11 as well. So 
You've got kids all through there. You've got two in the middle that are on the autism spectrum. There's just a lot going on, right? And so a lot of conversations were were uh, introduced, and most of it was just silliness. I mean, turns out we, without me knowing, they mooned some people down the freeway. <laughs> I'm laughing because there was no harm done, but certainly I didn't. Uh, if I'd have known that was going to happen, I probably would have put an end to it. But uh, and once we got to San Francisco, um, we did all the San Francisco stuff. You know, we went to a San Francisco Giants baseball game. We uh, we drove over the Golden Gate Bridge. We took tours all over the city. Um, uh, and we even drove up the coast a little bit north, I think. A little bit north up the coast to um, and found a beach to just sit on and have a lot of fun. But the most interesting thing and the most fascinating thing to me was on the way back. Uh, some organic conversations started. And turns out my my sons had decided the time was right to talk with Chloe, my daughter, about who she was going to date. And, you know, how they were going to protect her and, and all these things, right? And it was interesting because, you know, she just patiently listened to my oldest son and my second oldest son and then, you know, my her twin brother. And they all gave her this advice on how to choose guys and, you know, what to watch out for and what some red flags were. And they were really giving her some interesting advice. But at the very end, she said something I thought was pro- so profound. Um, uh, she said, you know what, I'm just going to pick guys to date that are just like you guys, my brothers. Because you treat me good, and that's what I want. I want somebody who will treat me good and love me. And it was just overwhelming to hear that. My wife and I were sitting in the front seat, and we looked at each other. I mean, and as you can imagine, uh, tears welled up in our eyes. For, to think that she felt loved in that way by her brothers and, and they treated her so good that that's how she wanted to be treated and that's how she expected to be treated. And, you know, a little bit afterwards, I had a conversation with my wife about this. And, you know, we had this conversation and my wife said, you know what, I, you know, I appreciate the way you treat me and I appreciate the way you treat the kids because they have expectations now. She, My daughter expects to be treated like you treat me. And that's good. And it was it was interesting to me because I'd never really thought about how the kids were modeling that. But my wife made it very clear that the greatest way to protect my daughter was to was for me to teach her how she should expect to be treated by the way I treated my wife and her mom, because she's watching. And that ability to model those things was really powerful for her. So I want to leave you with this. I, I just want to to suggest to you that imagine your daughter grows up and the man she's with treats her the way you treat your wife. You know, and and focus on how do you treat your wife? What do you say? What do you do? How do you treat her? And if that's the way you want your daughter to be treated when she grows up and by men, then you're doing okay. But if not, if you, if you critically look at how you treat your wife and it's not the way you want your daughter to be treated, then you might want to reconsider how you treat your wife. And at the same time, you might want to start to reconsider how you talk to all your kids and, and make sure that you're not one of those guys that says, hey, listen, don't do what I say. Don't do what I do. Just do what I say. Uh, that's the definition of a hypocrite. And your kids will see it. And and they'll they you will lose the ability to influence them. So... You know, at the beginning of this, I, I was very clear on what I wanted to say. 
Um, we're training our kids, even our wives. My wife trained me on how to behave and how to act and how to treat other people. My suggestion is today to start treating them in the way that you want them to be treated and and model the kind of behavior you want for them. Model the kind of man you want your boys to become and model the kind of husband you want your daughter to grow up to marry. And if you'll do that, I promise you, you're going to start seeing dramatic changes in the way your family works and loves and treats each other. So hopefully that's helpful. Uh, Listen, have a great day. Uh, Do your best. Uh, If things are hard, suck it up, work hard. Uh, Do your best to love your family. And if you will, I'm sure you'll be successful as well. Have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. This is Kyle again. Really quick, I wanted to invite you to do something wonderful for your wife and family today. Today's the day to start. If you don't know what to do, maybe grab a free copy of our 118 Autism Strategies book. It's totally free and it'll give you some great ideas. So right now, pause the audio and go to thriveinchaos.net front slash free stuff and get your free copy. That's thriveinchaos.net front slash free stuff and get your copy today. Make today the day you start creating the kind of family we all want. A family that thrives. We'll see you next time.